First Samuel chapter 8, if you would. I kind of left off there. I got kind of bogged down a little bit in that study. Even in chapter number 7 with the Ebenezer stone, you know, I mean, it was like I heard pastor, or I'm sorry, preacher Dan Metter said that one time, one of my favorite titles I've ever heard from a message was, uh, you might have even been there, he said, uh, what I learned from reading Genesis chapter 19 for a month straight. That was the title of his message. And the end of that message, it was like, wow. You were like, I can't believe you got all that out of that passage. And I went up to him, I said, I appreciate that. I appreciate you giving a title like that because everybody's all about read your Bible. You got to read your Bible every day through in, uh, in a month, you know, or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I said, man, I appreciate that title. And he, and he, this way told me, he says, keep digging, brother. Keep digging. And I've always remembered that because, you know, you, you see, oh, because you know, I've, I've read this passage through a hundred times, thousand times, you know, oh, I, I know it. But you don't know all of it. And you start reading through this and you go, oh, man, maybe I... Maybe I thought wrong on that about that person. Maybe I thought wrong about this in Samuel. Maybe you read through it again and then you find out even more little nuggets. I mean, we know how this story goes. We, we, oh, I've talked about Hannah. We've talked about how the ark was gone. And uh, even unto, I mean, chapter number 6, I kind of walked past this the other day. It says, unto the great stone of Abel. The Philistines, what's neat about that in chapter 6, this is just for nothing, this is just carrying on. It's in chapter number 6. It says, they set the ark down on the great stone of Abel. Chapter 6, verse 18. And the Philistines watched this. And I don't know all this. This is one thing I don't know. I don't even know what this is all about. But Abel sacrificed the lamb on that stone. And Cain didn't like it. And God seen it, right? Sacrificed that lamb. Philistines seen it, made all these sacrifices on that great stone of Abel. Made those sacrifices when they, when they cut up the, the cart and all that. Then you get over there to chapter number 7 where the biggest revival happens in that Old Testament Samuel. And it says that Samuel took that sucking lamb and the Philistines seen it. And as, they, as they, that's when the, th- the, the thunder came and all that. I don't know but I find that kind of neat. And then that's where that Ebenezer stone is. You say, what's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's cool though. <laughs> From a Mason standpoint, nevertheless. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know so. But I, but I don't know. But I know you start looking at some of these stones in this Bible and you look and start looking at some of these names in this Bible and, and there's something to God. There's something. And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this book, Lord. And I don't pretend to know any at all, hardly even, Lord, a fraction of it. And Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit moving here today, Lord, and just help us, Lord, because, Lord, we just want you. Lord, we need you. We need this book, Lord, in our hearts, Lord. We just need your presence. And Father, I just pray that this time you just uh, keep my mouth, Lord, and just uh, fixed on Thee. Keep my heart in check. And Lord, may we all just learn something today that we just apply in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter eight. Um, it says, "And it came to pass when Sam- yeah, I didn't say that right. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And we, and we know the best. So this is they just go through in, in chapter number seven. Um, Samuel says, you know what, you got to get your hearts right. And they go through that biggest revival and they gather together. They fast. They pour out waters. You guys have sinned against the Lord. The lamb sacrificed. And then they have all their victories up against the Philistines. And it gets down to here. And you know what, they've just all of a sudden they want to be done away with it. They don't want God anymore after they just had one of the greatest victories ever. And they say, you know what, we just, we're just going to want to have a king now. That's where they went. Like pastors preaching on this morning, careful what you ask for. Careful what you ask for. And it came to pass when Samuel was old, verse number one, I apologize, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. <clears throat> and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. 
according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods. So, so do they also unto me. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. I like that protest solemnly. You know, he ain't going to go in there. He's, don't go in there and just start yelling at him. And like, what are you guys doing? He says, you know what? Protest solemnly. I won't even associate that with any of the thing that's going on in the past year or anything. <laughs> but it was a, that's what he tells him. But uh, I got kind of bogged down. I mean, this is a whole big leadership passage. There's a lot of first mentions in this passage. Samuel here is going to be pretty much getting close to the end of his leadership. He puts his sons in leadership positions. And it says, and he came to me, he made his sons judges over all Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. Okay? That's relevant. It's going to take me a little while just to get to going a little bit, but we're going to... We're going to eventually get somewhere. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. I need all the encouragement I can. You know, sometimes I should write out, you know, an introduction, but I did not write out an introduction. I just kind of wrote out some verses. So, Lord, I need you. Amen. Amen. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after, after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So what were Samuel's ways? You know what Samuel's ways ways were in chapter number 7 and in verse number 16. Verse number 15 says, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And verse number 16 says, And he went from year to year in circuit to where? To Bethel, to Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel all those places. And his return was to Ramah. So he went through all four of those places. Those were his places that he went to. That was his way. He went in this way, just did a circle in his little ministry, went to this place. And all these places right here have a, a reference, a place in, that is significant today, that can be significant in our life. But you know what it says? It says his sons dwelt in Beersheba. So if you would, turn over there to Genesis chapter 26. Oh man. You guys are faster than me. I apologize. Genesis chapter twenty six, you have Isaac. Um Isaac is going through all this, uh, you know, he throws his wife out there. Hey, my wife's my sister there in chapter number 26. And then he gets out of that thing with Abimelech. And in verse number 17, it says, And Isaac departed thence and pitched... No, let me just back up. Let me go to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And that man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac did digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called there the names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a wellspring of water. I mean, that sounds good. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Isaac, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. You know what he gets? He gets into these digging these wells, and you know what he finds when he's starting to dig in these wells? Strife. You know, nobody in the water hole. You know, this is a water hole. You know, churches be like that. Water hole. Nobody wants to come to a church when there's a bunch of strife. Nobody's going to go to a 
I mean, when I was lost, you know what we called watering holes? The bar. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you go to the water hole. I'm going to go to the water hole, which is by, we're getting there, Beersheba. Beer is well. What do you, what do you got in the well? Sure. Well drinks. Well, well drinks. Thank you. That's what it is. Beer means well. Beersheba. But nobody wants to do that. And Isaac in his wiseness here says, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go dig another well. And he goes off and, you know, digs another one. Verse number 22, and, and he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not and called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went out from Gerar and Ahuzah and one of his friends to that guy, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye me, seeing that ye hate me and have sent me away from you? You see this Beersheba? It's just strife. It's just, he can't get away from it. It's just, oh. And they said, We saw certainly of the Lord was with thee, and we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, and that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now blessed of the Lord. Verse 30. And he made a feast, and they did eat and drink, and they rose up betimes in the morning, and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away, and departed from him in peace. And it came to pass that same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, We have found water, and he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. So you got that. And it goes from that right into verse chapter number 27. I mean chapter number 27. And we know this. We've all, if you're a Sunday school teacher in here, and you've been a Sunday school teacher before, you have taught Jacob stealing the blessing. Am I right? I mean, we got... it's kind of, And you read through it, and it's kind of like a... If it happened in today's day and age right now, if that happened, you'd be on the news. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we got, we got problems with a track going around right now, people writing bad reviews on the church and this and that and blah, 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 because something somebody said. But do you realize there's stuff in this Bible? You can't get, you can't please everybody. It's it. You want your kids rocking around dressing like the devil, dressing like this, dressing like that, you know, dressing up all like all these imitation Disney characters, worldly, whatever. They don't understand it. Get over it. It's just garbage. But here we can teach this passage. It's just, we're going to read it through one time and then we'll just stop and we'll say, yeah, that's pretty strifeful. That's pretty Beersheba. A lot of stuff going on there. But I'm going somewhere with this because you know what? Jacob's going through all this. Beersheba. Samuel's sons dwelt in Beersheba. But but Samuel went to Bethel. And pretty soon Jacob here, he's seen Beersheba and there's all this strife and there's all this stuff going on. But you know what? Pretty soon he's going to get to Bethel. And it came to pass in verse chapter number 27, verse 1, and it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see that, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out in the field and take me some venison. And that's a great verse. (laughs) They got that verse, I mean... Praise God, I might even get it and put it in my house. You know what I mean? I'll put it on Tabor's door. Because if you don't know, Tabor's Esau. Silas is Jacob. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I got looks already, but you know I got laughs. Thank you, Mike. But I better just keep going. Every time I see two boys in the Scripture, I'm like, oh, please, Lord, show me something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pray for me. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, Aaron and, you know, Samuel, Eli, you know, I'm just like, oh, 
You know, so, you know, I'm scared, you know, the fear of the Lord. No, I want it. I want my kids to make it to Bethel. So now, therefore, take up, okay, verse number four. And make me some savior meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard what Isaac spake to his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me some venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to which I have commanded thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. <laughs> it doesn't. That's that's no excuse to keep. We're going to keep going. You know what I mean? My father, peradventure, he will feel me and I shall see him and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse and my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made him savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in her house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hand and upon the smooth of his neck. Let's just stop there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we've all, I don't know about, but I've taught this lesson in junior church. Yeah. Now, like I said, if, if this happened, it's like, they butchered this goat. Well, we got goats next door. They butchered this goat. They skinned it off. And to fool their father, they, she took the goat skins and put it on his neck and then put it on his hand. You're like, Ooh, that is wicked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. most of all of us are thinking the blood, nasty, skinny. I mean, I remember the first time we taught this, it was praise the Lord. Laura's sister actually had goat skin. And I said, can I have this goat skin? And she's like, yeah, you can have it. And I said, good, I'm going to make. So I made a little thing for the neck and I made the little hand things. And this was when Shanks was, was there and all his kids. I mean, at all the junior church down there. And I said, I just wanted to give them away at the end. I just gave them away. And there was a fight over who wanted the goat skins. <laughs> Jade, Jade and Shanks ended up getting them. <laughs> but I mean, you don't think about just how, how this is. You know what I'm saying? Go steal it. Go get that blessing. Go steal it. It's Beersheba. Strife. You know, mom goes along with it. I mean, just... Isaac falls for it in verse number 23. And he discerned him not. You know what I mean? Just that Strife. Esau wants to kill him. Verse number 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even also bless me, O my father. No one says, I can't. But you learn one thing out of this, man. I'm telling you what. You know, he couldn't. Like I said, if my, if my son came in and I tricked him and said, You know what? I left you these guns. and they, You know what I'm saying? And Tabor got all the guns, but I was supposed to give those guns to Silas. Oh yeah, but Tabor tricked me and he did this and that. I said, oh, never mind. I'll just, I'll just pull that in here. I'll just give back. You, you liars. I'm going to take these back and give it to him. But you know what? A man's word meant something back then that day. And we're missing that. And I'm guilty of it. Man's word was something back then. Sorry, buddy. I already said it. God ain't going back on his word. But I know whom I have to believe it. And am persuaded that he is able. Wants to kill him. Verse number 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Boy, that went bad real quick. Real quick. Bunch of strife. Stolen blessings, stolen birthright, kind of like over there in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 3. Lucre took bribes, perverted judgment. 
And in Jacob, in chapter number 28, and in verse number 10. Look with me here. Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 10. This is where he get. This is where he gets it. He gets out of Beersheba, and this is where Bethel comes into place. It says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba, and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows, and lay down that place to sleep, and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on earth, and at the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord thy God of Abraham, thy father, and the, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest. To thee it will I give it to thee and to thy seed. And they, thy seed shall be as the dust of earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done all that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Amen. That's a great realization right there. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. That's Bethel. That's what that is right there. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it for a pillar and poured it oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place, what? Bethel. That's where it's at. You know, verse 16 is a great realization. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. You know what he got? He got out of that little Beersheba place. All that strife, all that strife, (laughs) brother wanting to kill him, mama tricking him, all this stuff just going on. And he gets out to this place and he finally has this time where the other people just aren't influencing him. And you know what he does? He just visits with God. You know what Bethel is? It's a place where you meet with God. That Bethel means the house of God. You know, it's at that place where you come in your life and it's not just reading your Proverbs. It's not just texting out a daily devotion like I do. Spending your quick minute, ten minutes getting up in the morning. Bam! Checklist. Got it off. Checklist Christianity. Got that from Brother Dan. It's a place where you spend some time with God. You've got to have that in your life. You've got to get to a place where it's like that. I like what he says down here. He says, verse number 22, And this stone which I have set for a pillar which shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me will I surely give a tenth unto thee. So a tenth, 2.4 hours. Of your time in a day? That's a pretty decent amount. I'm not saying that's praise the Lord if you're I mean if you're just reading Proverbs every day and that's good enough. But there's gotta be a something more. That time where you're just sitting down with the Lord or you're you're meditating on the Lord and God starts talking to you. It's a place where you meet with God. Not just a checklist. It's a place where God reveals Himself to you. Verse number 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord thy God of Abraham thy father. You ever had that place where God just came up and finally revealed Himself to you? It ain't just the church house, folks. I mean, it's not just Sunday morning like pastor's saying. It's not just you're starving if that's it. You're starving. You got to have one of those places where, I mean, where God was communicating with you and there was a, there's no way it, it could have ever happened other than God was talking to me like that. And we'll let you down. You know what I'm saying? That will keep you going forward. 
and you'll get a victory. You just know without a shadow of a doubt that was the Lord talking right there. You got to have that place. You got to get to that place. You can't just hang back in Beersheba. Because we all got jobs. We all go walking through this world. This is our safe place here in this church. But you start going out there into that world. You know what's out there in that world. You know what's out there in your workplace. I mean, 56 hours just getting beat down. Oh my gosh. And you got to get to Bethel. You've got to get to that place where God's just real. God's talking to you. It's a place where you learn to trust God. A place where He says, I am with thee. It's also a place where some people went away from God but they also came back to Him. You'll see that in Scripture. They went and got a little bit away, but you know what they did? They went back to Bethel. Maybe they're just doing a little Proverbs devotion. Got away from that, and then, you know what? I just got to get in more. Maybe it's just going to start out to be a little bit more like a Proverbs devotion. And that lead to something bigger. It's a place where you leave the strife behind and the world and the filth. And you just fellowship with God. It's a place where the stones of life, those hard ones, are turned to pillows and you begin to rest in God. Lots of places like that. I work outside for a living. There's lots of hard stones. <laughs> Everybody's got hard stones in their lives, not just masons. But it's a place where the stones of life, those hard ones, are turned to pillows, and you can rest in God. And He says, you know what? I'll keep you. It's a place where God communes from you in heaven. That ladder, verse number 12. That house... Verse number 17. That gate, verse number 17. And that stone, verse number 18. You know what? They're all a type of Christ. You know what's a pillar in your life? Those important ones. Not to be forgotten. You can't forget some of those pillars that have happened in your life. I don't even know the full story of Dan, what Dan was going to tell. Almost falling off a cliff. He's never going to forget it. There's things in life that I know from a shadow of a doubt, God was in it. It's my Bethel. It's my first stone. You go, Joshua goes through there stacking those stones that are some of, I mean, salvation's right there the day I got saved. But I'll tell you what, communion with God, when God made himself real in my life, Boy, that's right down there. That's one of those ones I'm standing on. Bethel. It's a place where you can give back to God. A place where you can give back a tenth. Samuel's boys. Took bribes. Took lucre, perverted judgment. So did Samuel raise his sons right? I don't know. But I'll I'll let you make up your mind as we go through some stuff. First Samuel chapter eight and verse number three. I can just turn it real quick. Some. Obviously, lucre, bribes, and perverted judgment. This is just common sense here. Those are not giving. (laughs) Those are taking. (laughs) You know. So, 1 Samuel 8, chapter 3, lucre, 
This is the first time in your Bible that this, this verse is mentioned. It's the only time it's mentioned in your Old Testament. Um, there's four other mentions in the New Testament. All of them deal with leadership, which I thought was interesting. Very interesting. All of them. Um, bribes. This is the first mention of bribes. There's three of them in the Old Testament. That's it. Perverted. This is the first one. There's, and there's five of them also in the Old Testament. All of these, and they all deal with leadership. But I, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to say, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to keep my opinion out of here because I've said something about this before and I think I'm wrong. And God showed me. So 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Luke, we'll just hit, hit these. Why am I having such a hard time? 1 Timothy chapter 3, and in verse number 1. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must, I mean, it's a good work, desiring that. It's a good thing. It's a good work. If a, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, nor greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. You think Samuel was that? I'll let you form your own opinion at the end. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falleth into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, must he must he have a good report of them which are without, lest be fallen to a reproach and the snare of the devil. You think he had a good report of those which were without? Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre? holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience, and let these also be first proved. Let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. And let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. I said, was Samuel rule his own house? Don't answer too quick. Sometimes, Sometimes preachers try to set you up. I won't name any preachers that do that. I don't. I try not to. It's just a question. Titus. Look at Titus chapter one. Titus chapter one and verse number five. Suppose for this cause I left Crete. For this cause I left I thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must then be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to a filthy lucre, there it is again, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught, that he may be able to a sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Now like this in chapter number 2. In chapter number 2, you know, sometimes we think we hear the word doctrine. You know what you think of? You think of it's just a... Uh, it's just a... Uh, it's just Bible truths. Right? But it's also behavioral truth. It's how a person acts. And you'll see that right here in, in chapter number two. But speak thou the things with which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, that the aged women likewise that they behave that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine 
teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers of the home. And I like that. Some women run the home. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. They do. And every person knows it. If you're a woman that, if any woman runs a house like that, the man knows it. People know it. It's just by the, by the way that they act, by the way it's, it's heard, by the way what's said, by their demeanor. And by the man um, not being a man. Um, keepers that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. Keepers of the home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I'm thankful for my wife that she's a keeper of the home. I really am. I tell you what, man, I got the best illustration right before we came over here. I mean, I got my suit on, and I just got all my Bible and all my stuff gathered together, and the dogs are laying over there, and we just got done pooping the dogs out. That's what we call it. We don't walk in anyhow. We just go take the dogs out back, and hopefully they poop out back. We poop the dogs out back. Sorry, I don't need going all that. You understand what it meant before I said all that? Poop the dogs, but we poop the dogs. We should probably just switch it that because we go out there and then the dog eats a bunch of horse poo or it eats deer poo or it eats, digs in the, the horse pin and eats up all the cat poo, right? Well, all of a sudden we're, we're just getting ready to leave and Coco's right there and here's, and I mean, right? You know, you know, and I look over and I went, oh no. And you could, and she, I, and I, if I wouldn't have heard her throw up, I'd have known exactly. I wouldn't know which end that came out of because she's eating poo and it's a bunch of poo. It's all just disgusting. And I go, I can't, I can't clean that up. I look at my wife. I go, you're a keeper of the home. <laughs> and I go, I can't do that. I'm going to throw up. And she hit my wife. She, she grew up on a dairy farm. Praise God. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to eat a piece of bread and clean it up. Just and I said, Wah! I'm going to get sick. I'm going to go warm the car up. <laughs> and she comes She comes out to the car, and I'm sitting there just being as spiritual. And she goes, I got it. <laughs> right? I, we got a great woman. <laughs> so I'm thankful for that. I can't. I mean, we went out and shoveled out the cow barn the other day, and it was bad. I mean, I... Ugh. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm thankful for a woman that's keeper of the home. I said, I ain't many of them. Keepers of the home. Young men likewise exhort to be sober minded and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works <clears throat> and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that not be condemned, that he that is a contrary part might be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of thee. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them when all well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that we might redeem, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Man, I like that. We're missing that in churches today. I want to be more zealous of good works in here. I like being excited when I come to church. Man, I was excited to come to church this morning. I'm excited to just be in church. I'm excited to be around other believers. I don't want to come into a, then a church house to get a drink. I mean, that's what a church house ought to be. It ought to be that well where you can come in here and you can get a drink and you can go out and say, man, that was good, man. I am, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Rather than walking in there and it's Beersheba, you know, hey, put these goat skins on and put it on your neck and go in there and try to fool somebody. Whoa, I'm not going back there. You know what I mean? I'm trying to meet with God. I'm trying to have God touch my heart. I want to listen. First Peter chapter five. I'll try to get home.
First Peter chapter 5, verse number 1, "...that the elders which are among you exhort you who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, <clears throat> and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre." See, all these passages, all this lucre and all those things are all leadership. Made judges. This is the last one on lucre. Not willingly, not for filthy lucre's sake, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples unto the flock. Amen. You know what? We ought not be lords over the flocks, even as pastors, as preachers, as fathers, business owners. But remember where you were when the Lord saved you. Now you want to be talked to. And it was His grace that came and met with you when you didn't know nothing. You think Samuel was, was the man in his house? You think he ruled his house well? You think he was greedy of filthy lucre? Did he rule his house and his children well? You think his wife was sober or a slanderer? And you think she was faithful in all things? You think Grandma Hannah was involved in these kids' lives? I thought that was kind of a neat thought. Certainly, Grandma Hannah had to have an influence if she was still alive in these kids' lives. I would, I would definitely want Grandma Hannah around if my kids' life. You know what I'm saying? You think Samuel's wife was the keeper of the home? You think Samuel showed himself a pattern of good works and uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of a contrary heart may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say? Turn over there to 1 Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12. And Samuel said, this is, remember how in chapter 8, they wanted a king. Now they're going to get one. Like pastor preached this morning, careful what you ask for. But here it is. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice and all that ye have said unto me and have made a king over you. And now behold, the king walketh before you and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. So he's making this proclamation right here, and he says, look, my kids are right here among you. Here's your chance. Behold, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before His anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose ass have I taken, or whom have I defrauded, whom have I oppressed, or whose hand have I received by any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith, and I will restore it unto you. He says, you got something to say? My boys is right here. Let me hear it. You didn't raise your boys right. No, no, that's not what it says. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and is anointed his witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. You know what I obviously got? Way too much here. But you know what? You know what? He walked before God. You know what I'd say? That's a good pattern. As a child, he ministered. He went to that Bethel. Witness against me. Here's your chance. You think Samuel raised his kids right? Or you think once they were made judges... Maybe that lucre creeped in. Maybe they got tired of just being the preacher's kid. I don't want to be the prophet's pastor's kid anymore. Because obviously, they was raised right. 
You ain't taking bribes. It. Hey, come on, Gabriel. I got this little bribe for you. I want you to come over to my house. I'm gonna bribe you to do something. You're like, I mean, it don't make no sense, <laughs> right? But when you get older, when you get older, hey, I got some money for you. You can just do something this way. Being in the trade I'm in, I don't work with a lot of poor people, and I say that rich people can afford masonry. It's just the way it is. That's why when the when the economy goes down, masons don't have a job. <laughs> because we're, anyhow, but you see, you hear this stuff. All the people with money, you hear their stories, and it does, and it stays amongst those people that bribe that take perverted judgment, that push money over here for the lucre. And they're not doing it with kids. They're doing it with older men. After they was made something. I'll tell you what, if you let's just say, you know what, I'll tell you what, Joel, why don't you just overlook this little matter over here and you know what, we'll get you a nice house. You know, because you were just living in that little house over there in Beersheba, you know, that little shack that your daddy got. Yeah, that'd be nice, huh? That'd be nice. Hey, you know what? You change this land boundary over here. I'll build you a house and put some. I'll put it in your relative's name. Nobody will even know. I could put a name on that one. For sake of time, I'll just skip past all the rest. James 1.14 says, But every man when he is tempted, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know what? Sin entering in. Money will change you. For sake of time, I'm not going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We all know. People start making decisions based on money. And it says, you know what it says right there? It says it twice. And it says they erred from the faith. Thank you. It says it twice. You know what I think those boys did? I said, it's my opinion. We can talk about it later. They took that money, lucre money, bribes, perverted judgment. Everybody can make up their own mind. First Samuel chapter eight. Let me say this, because I probably won't. You can find wrong with every leader. They said, you know what, Samuel, you, they're not walking like you did, Samuel. So we don't like what they're doing now. Which is, I get it. You know what? They're they're siding just like our government is. Politicians, mayors, governors, chief of police all the way down to the beggar in the street. Stop right there. But you know what? First Samuel chapter 12, I'm just shooting from the hip here now. It's, he says, you know what? And Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord that had, the, it is the Lord that advanced Moses. Oh, Moses? You mean the murderer Moses? The guy that took the other wife that he shouldn't know? That one? It's, it's real quick. And Aaron, oh, Aaron, the calf guy, <laughs> that guy, I know, oh man, I remember him. Yeah, he's good for nothing. And then there's old, uh, who else was down here? Jacob, oh, Jacob. Oh, we don't have to look far to find something bad about that guy. Oh, the guy that lied to his dad and put the goat skins on, oh, man, him and his mom are wicked. It It, it doesn't take long. You're not going to have to far, look farther than right here to find something wrong with me. You know, I go always give you a chance to say amen. You never do a thing. I told you, I got, I, I got a good wife. I tell you what, who's the other guy's name in here? Uh, old Jerubabel, that guy. Oh, he did. He did. Uh, he was building ephod. He built that ephod. Is that right? Yeah, built the ephod. Thing became a snare. Oh, yeah, you build things you shouldn't be building, buddy. Nothing wrong with that guy. 
It won't take you long. No Jephthah. Oh, that guy? Remember him? His mom was a harlot. You wouldn't say it in front of him, he'd beat you up. <laughs> but you'd say it behind his back. Nobody liked him. You can find fault in anybody. Anybody. But you know who you ain't going to find fault in? That's right. And I look back at the way the prodigal sons preached. Every time I, I read that thing, the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son. If the prodigal son gets away and he comes back. Who's the, who's, the, who's the father or the representative of? God. Thank you. So he raised that kid wrong? Come on now. No. Nope, that kid got older and walked away. You're going to stand before God and you're going to say, well, God, if you wouldn't have created the devil like that, then it would he was created perfect in that image until iniquity is found in his heart. Are you going to stand before God and say that? I'm getting goosebumps. I ain't that stupid. <laughs> you find. That's my best one I got against God. And I tell you what, feel free to use it. I wouldn't do it though. All <laughs> right. I'm just saying. You know who advanced? And Samuel said it was the Lord that advanced Moses. You know, that's what happens. I'll just close with that. When you start getting your eyes off God, they went from 1 Samuel chapter 7 where the thunder came in, they heard God, and they went out and they had this great victory to say, you know what? We want to be like everybody else and have a king. And that's what it was. But you'll find fault in the king. As I, Dan coined the phrase, I'm going to keep using it, Saul the psychopath, that's who they got. That's right. You got what you asked for. <laughs> you get what you asked for. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message, Lord. I thank you, Lord, just for everybody here. Lord, I pray for them on their way home. Lord, I pray you just encourage them Lord, through all this week. Lord, just touch our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.